You're listening to the Rekka Stowe Podcast. I'm your host, John Champion. Welcome. Now, you can find the show on Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, Google, and all the places that podcasts play. Thanks so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, and tell your friends about it. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll find all kinds of information and links in the show description. So make sure you check it out. Now, there's so much going on in the world. We're still battling COVID-19, the murder of George Floyd, the riots, the protests, the outrage seen worldwide. Now, on this episode, we're going to discuss white supremacy and how did we get where we are. We'll talk about what it is and how not to spread it. Also, what does Black Lives Matter mean? We're going to talk about that. I also interview a very, very sharp lady who confronts racism, ill treatment of others, and all sorts of social issues head on. We're going to have a great discussion. She and I will also talk music, concerts, travel, and so much more. I've even got a review of a special re-release of a great Prince album that I know you've probably never heard. We're going to jump right into that right after this. Welcome back to episode 11 of the Rekka Stowe Podcast. And we're going to jump right into it right now. We are talking about white supremacy. So I'm going to start off with the definition. What is white supremacy? Well, it's defined as the belief, theory, or doctrine that white people are inherently superior to people from other racial and ethnic groups, especially black people, and are therefore rightfully the dominant group in any society. I'm going to read that again. The belief, theory, or doctrine that white people are inherently superior to people from all other racial and ethnic groups, especially black people, and are therefore rightfully the dominant group in any society. Okay, well, I figure now is a good time to share with you some of my experiences with white supremacy. Now, I'll start off. I got a couple for you. So settle in. First, I'm a homeowner, and I've had numerous home repair mishaps. I'll start with one. Um, I've had this one happen a few times. I've had people uh, attempt to sell me things door to door. And, you know, when I go to the door to tell them not interested, no soliciting, please go away, I get, well, let me speak to the homeowner. I am the homeowner. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not that you rent it. Let me talk. I'm going to give you to the count of two to get off my porch. You know, that type of thing. I get I get that. Um, I've had people that I've hired to come out and repair things who say things along the same lines. Well, you know, are you the homeowner? Are you the decision maker? You know, and it's... It's ridiculous to me. Um, uh, recently, uh, well, it's actually it hasn't been recent, but it's it's still it, it still nags at me. 
I've had an incident with a neighbor. Yeah, that's right. Somebody who lives down the street um, where I hired him to do some work on the house. I was preparing for a refinance and I just needed a couple of things, some touch-up painting done, just a few simple things. We agreed on a price, uh, talked it over. I'd known this person for years, uh, lived near this person for years. Uh, after the first day, you know, I, you know, I gave him the deposit before he started working. I gave him half the money. Then, you know, after the first day, I start getting, well, you are going to be able to pay me, right? You are going to be able to pay me, right? I mean, you, you, you're you not going to be funded with the money. And I'm just, I don't understand where it's coming from. So I made the mistake and went ahead and paid him all the money. And of course, he reverted into, I'll get to it when I get to it. Uh, left the job half done. I went and got the key back. It's never mind, I'll finish it myself. Finish the work myself. But, you know, I just, I didn't understand and, and and I'll get into why I'll get I'll get into why and all that I just want to give you some more examples uh someplace I worked for many many years um <laughs> uh my second daughter was born and uh had a co-worker uh walk right up to me and say <laughs> you had another baby how many kids is that Man, you better slow down. And I, I, I just didn't, I didn't get it. You know, shut up for a second. And then I realized, you know, I thought I had three or four kids by three or four different women. He just didn't know that I had three kids with my wife. Yep, the same woman, not multiple spouses not multiple girlfriends me and the one woman and three kids then it just blew his mind um i get this one i'm home uh doing some uh some caretaking for a friend's home and a guy pulls up to uh do some scheduled repairs you know <sighs> guy comes pulls up and he i get whose house is this who lives here that's neither here nor there. You're here to repair the fuse box. You know, let me show you where the fuse box is. You know, and he was just so upset. You know, who lives here? Whose house is this? You know, and other, this can't be your house. You know, it was what he was getting at. You know, and it, it infuriated him so bad that he limited the amount of work that he was willing to do well i can fix one or two outlets i you know we the the service plan doesn't call for me to you know yeah exactly uh one that really sticks in my mind i saw a truck that i wanted to buy uh wasn't too far away uh it's on the side of the road uh somebody parked it in parking lot with a sign on it pulled up wrote the number down came home called the number and i uh, got a voicemail so i left a message said hey you know i really like that truck um see the price i'm willing to pay you cash uh get back to me and we can go ahead and knock this out well a little while later a couple hours later i get a phone call back and um uh, guy says hey y'all uh, 
I want to talk to the man that called about the truck. I said, yeah, that's me. Oh. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not selling it. So I said, pardon me? He said, the truck's not for sale anymore. I said, okay, all right. Got off the phone. So, in other words, to clear that up for you, he heard the Negro in my voice the second time. He didn't catch it. I was black on the first voicemail, on that, on that, on that voicemail I left. So, my first inkling, what I wanted to do, and somebody talked me out of it, I wanted to drive back down to the truck and take a cinder block and bash all the windows out of it and let him sell it then. But I chilled. Damn. Now, you might not think that stuff is white supremacy. You might think white supremacy it means, you know, walking around with a KKK hood on, threatening people. No. Let's go back to that definition. The belief, theory, or doctrine that white people are inherently superior to people from other racial and ethnic groups, especially black people, and are therefore rightfully the dominant group in any society. Me having a home, a car, a truck, kids, a wife, these things made these people psychologically uncomfortable thinking that I may have something as nice or nicer than, 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 than them, you know? Am I not deserving of nice things? You know, where does that come from? Where does that come from? The belief, theory, or doctrine that you are superior to other people, especially black people, and so that makes you dominant. It's ridiculous. All I can think is, way, way back, long, long ago, you know, somehow, someone taught their white child, hey, listen, as long as you have better things, as long as you have more money, as long as you have more than a black person, you're always the best. You always win. And this jealousy was passed down and passed down and passed down some more. I don't know how to fix it. I, as a person, I've, I've never cared what anyone else had. I don't covet. I work hard. If I want something, I'll get it. I don't care what you drive. I don't care where you live. If I work with you, I don't want to know your kids' names. I don't care what day your wife's birthday is. It's just not me. I don't I don't care. You know? So yeah, that's that stuff's not my concern. So just the fact that me trying to shop, live, nap, buy a bottle of water, grill out incites anger and rage enough to have you call the police which could lead to my murder that's a psychological problem 
that's something I don't know how to fix that in people. And it's there. It, it It's really there. People really, really stress out over these things. And, you know, they, they, uh, they get off on having more than somebody black, having something over somebody black, you know, you know, the, that's, uh, and I, and I know it's a society thing, but it's ridiculous. And, and, and that, that anger, that jealousy, that need to be superior and seeing somebody black have something nice is what leads to, you know, bogus traffic stops, you know, well, he's got a nice car. Uh, he must sell drugs. I'm gonna pull him over. Cause you know, that, that can't be his car. I bet he's driving that car with no insurance or, you know, all that leads to, you know, things that don't need to happen. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about black lives matter. The phrase black lives matter, uh, aside from the group, the phrase itself is what we're going to talk about right now. First, the phrase people like, and a lot of, a lot of black people as well as white people don't like to say black lives matter. And I'll say this race in America, a lot of it psychological. A lot of, a lot, there's years and years and years of hurt and pain and it doesn't have to be, but it is. And I don't know how to fix it, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, it's something that's been there for a long time. It's something a lot of people have tried to ignore. Sometimes you have to quote, go along to get along. But I think it's come to a point where more people are just going to have to be honest and say, you know, what you're saying hurts me or the fact that you're not trying to understand it hurts me and I'd rather not deal with you. Now, the phrase black lives matter. Many people don't like it, white and black. Now, it's not like we're saying black lives are the only lives that matter. No, that's not what we're saying. And we have to say black lives matter because for so long here in America, and I'm a veteran and I love my country for so long, we've been taught in so many ways that our lives do not matter. All right. So I found this, someone sent me a meme and uh, a little emotional. You know, this is a lot going on. Somebody sent me this meme. I'm going to read it to you. And, uh, it says, imagine your child dying and you are giving a eulogy explaining what your own child meant to you and how special your child was. And then someone grabs the mic and says, actually, all children are special. That's what all lives matter sounds like to me. And that's it. It's like, I'm telling you that my life matters and for you to say, well, all lives matter. You're not that special. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've got to stick up for myself and I've got to say, you know, I think I am special. I think I'm different. I think I'm unique. I think I deserve to live. I think I deserve 
<laughs> I think I deserve to have nice things. I think I deserve to get in a car and drive from one place to the other and not be in fear of a traffic stop. You know, I, I, I think I'm special. I think my life matters, right? And so long, for so long in this country, we've been taught, well, you know, you guys are thugs or criminals or bad people. You don't love your families. And this stuff is just, these stereotypes have just gone on and on and on. And people have bought into them. And it's turned into, sometimes we can laugh it off. I've got something, I got something I say about being a black comedian. I tell people, you know, it's like, okay, well, if we're three black comedians on a show, we can't all tell the big dick, smoke a lot of weed, baby mama joke. I mean, how many different ways can you hear it? I mean, we laugh at our own pain, but you know, after a while, yeah, it's a, it's a bit much. And I want to, I want to say props to the white people that are trying to get it, that are really, really trying to understand, that are trying to listen and embrace what's going on. And uh, yeah, uh, there are so many people that are trying. So thank you to our white people, white friends who really, really are trying to listen and learn and uh yeah you are appreciated it's uh it's not an easy thing it's complicated but uh definitely want to let you know that you are appreciated i want to read you something too it's another uh social media post that's been forwarded around and uh i'm gonna read this to you uh this is a really good post it's kind of long but gonna read it to you uh really liked it made a lot of sense and um again this goes out to uh to our white allies just to uh just to let you know all right so if you're not getting it this is for you here you go your black friend is trying to be okay in the past 30 days your black friend has watched a black man gets shot dead while jogging, Ahmaud Arbery. A black woman gets shot dead while sleeping, Breonna Taylor. And the murder of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer. Your black friend has also listened to the President of the United States use segregationist words as a veiled threat. Your black friend is trying to be okay. Please don't ask us about the looting. Please don't chast us about the rioting. Please don't tell us that all lives matter. Please don't minimize our fear. Please don't bring up black-on-black crime. Please don't ask, what about Chicago? Please don't say, if you just act like a wildly successful black person, insert Oprah, Obama, Colin Powell, Denzel, Will Smith. Please don't judge us. Your black friend is trying to be okay. Listen to your black friend. Empathize with your black friend. Support your black friend. Pray for your black friend. Pray with your black friend. 
but just let your black friend know you really care. Your black, fem- your black friend will remember who truly had their back during this difficult time. They'll remember who was more concerned about a looted target. They'll remember you posting a thinly veiled and racially offensive meme. They will remember you calling looters savages. They will remember your silence about their black life and the black lives of others. It's really easy. Do whatever you can to help your black friend out because your black friend is trying to be okay. Well, that's what I gotta say. All right. Our interview with Beth, who was really, really cool, is coming up on the Recosto podcast right after this. You're listening to the Recosto podcast. I'm John Champion, and today I'm speaking with a really fascinating lady. Someone who loves music, concerts, and travel just like me, and really stands up for other people. Meet my friend Beth. Beth, how are you? I'm great. How are you? And hi, everybody. Man, I am uh, good, uh, even in these crazy circumstances. I'm hanging in there, but we're, we're going to talk about that, too. Um, let's see, man. Um, you and I share this great love of music, and you turned me on to so many great bands at things I've never heard of, like Trombone Shorty. Uh, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> and uh, it's really cool. You love all kinds of music. So, my first question I'm going to ask you what's the best concert you've ever been to? Oh, uh, you know, that's hard, John. Like, I have been concerts and I, and I don't know like when we um if, if I ever told you this like I actually went to college to manage rock band like, yeah I, to get a music, yeah. Business degree. I didn't know if I ever told you that yeah you did and that that's one of the reasons I was like oh I gotta talk to her I gotta talk to her yeah. about it exactly I never finished you know of course and, and life happens and you can't afford college and, and all of that but uh, I it was you know I love music so much and I wanted to be in that I loved the energy I felt being at concerts and I, I was like ooh I could do this for, for my life and um, so I, I've loved music for forever it's really hard to answer that question because it just kind of depends on um, it's like that Facebook challenge where it's like you know put the 20, 20 influential albums in your life and <laughs> man, that, that was uh, hard to do because I think it just is um sometimes circumstantial, sometimes whatever you're going through, you know, uh, in, in your life, yeah. it just happens, a band, a band or a song happens to hit you the right way, and, uh-huh. and even as you age, like, the, the, the songs mean different things, right? Like, so lately I've been listening to a lot of the police, and I was like, man, it means something different as a, I don't even want to say it, middle-aged woman, um, you know, than it did when I was a teenager. Like right. Young, like, just, it was super rebellious back then, and different, and it was like reggae, kind of mixed with rock, and then like Sting had his own energy, and, and it was different, and then now I'm listening to it, and I'm like, wow, there's some heavy stuff going on, you know, like, so I think it's hard to to find favorites or to stay with favorites, because it just sort of depended on what was going on in my life. 
but long answer to your question. Oh, you're perfect. Uh, you're perfect. Um, uh, I know, uh, I do. Uh, you know me, I'm long-winded. Um, that's awesome. I have to say George Michael. Um, that wow. is my man. That is the love of my life. That is the, I, um, I just, I felt, um, oh, you know, I, I, yeah, that, that was the best concert I ever got to go to because it was, um, uh, it was so moving. It was like, a, it was a dream come true. It was a crazy, you know, um, uh, wait, waiting on the phone and trying to get through to get a ticket, you know, as, uh-huh. uh, years ago. And it was just one of those, like, okay, uh, I, I don't have a bucket list. And, you know, I, I don't believe in that per se. Right. Um, but that was, that was one of my things that I, I absolutely had to do and, and get the chance to see. So um, I would have to say, I would have to say George Michael. And there's a whole story behind that <laughs> entire concert. Oh, please tell it to me. Tell it, tell it, tell it. Really? Well, so it really doesn't have much to do with the concert, but it kind of has, it almost um, pulls together everything, sort of who I am, which is so crazy. So this was 2008, um, Atlanta, uh-huh. and uh, I had gotten the concert ticket, uh, for just the concert ticket, and um, I was so excited, I mean, for months, so I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, and, you know, I'm going to get a hotel, and I'm going to go down there, and I don't care, like, whatever, get dog sitters, you know, uh-huh. and then the same summer, my mom and I decided to go visit my sister in Mali, West Africa, where she was in the Peace Corps. And so it happened to fall like that same weekend of the concert. And I was like, oh, God, how am I going to do this? Like, I'm not missing George Michael, but you know, we're going to see my sister. We haven't seen her in, you know, because she's been over there for two years. So um, we, uh, I, I drove down the border of Georgia and Tennessee. My mom was living in Tennessee. She took the dogs from me. She headed back to Tennessee. I drove down to Atlanta. I got to the CD hotel just because I was just going to sleep there because I didn't want to drive, you know, three hours or whatever after the show. And so went to the concert. It was amazing. Energy was amazing. I was crying. It was amazing. And then I go and crash at this hotel and didn't really sleep because, you know, it was... You kind of pumped up. Craziness, so, you, know. you know, couldn't really sleep, and I was amped up from the show. And yeah. So the next day, I come out to the car, and I get in the car, and my dashboard is covered in thousands of ants. What? <laughs> I apparently had parked the car over the curb a little too far over an ant hill. I guess there was an ant hill. I didn't see it. Oh my god. Um, and they just had the entire evening to crawl into the car. Not that there was food or anything in there, but I don't know. It just, it, you know, it's August, hot as shit in Atlanta. <laughs> you know, they probably the room for free too. Um, oh, and, yeah. uh, so I, I had a, I had thousands of ants in my car, and I freaked out because, you know, I got to get up and drive to Tennessee, and then we got to get to Nashville and catch a flight to New York to, to head over to Africa. You know, we, we uh-huh. got to get going, and... So I'm freaking out. I, I, you know, trying to kill them, trying to spray them with my perfume so I could, like, get some alcohol, whatever. Wow. Um, going down the road, trying to kill them as I'm driving. They're crawling on me. It was horrible, horrible. Oh. And I get to, like, this gas station, and I'm like, oh, God, I can't do this. I got to, uh, you know. And I'm in the middle of rural Georgia, um, middle of August, or beginning of August, hot as you know, hot as balls. And uh-huh, I pull uh-huh. over 
and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go buy some like armor all or whatever. Not, I don't know. <coughs> you know, this little cleaning stuff Excuse for your car. Yeah. You know, something that can wipe down, kill them, whatever. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, while I was trying to do that, I um, locked my keys in my car. Oh man. And so I've got these ants and I locked my keys in the car. They actually wanted in the trunk. I had popped open the trunk and I had put them right in the kind of, I don't know, I put them on the top and then I shut it and I could, you could see one of the keys, but I couldn't get it through. Oh. And I, and it was, you know, an old saw, so it didn't have a popped trunk or anything like that. Oh man, um, poor thing. And, uh, and I just, I, I had a meltdown and I was like, crying in the parking lot. I'm like, how am I supposed to get to my mom's? I'm going to ruin our entire trip because I, I'm, I'm supposed to drive or something, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm freaking out. And so at this time, this little boy is starting to pull into the gas station and, you know, get their gas and they're looking at me and I have Obama stickers and I have Obama placards and I have my car covered with Obama mm-hmm. because it was that year and um, I'm crying and I was like can someone help me and no one would help me John like nobody and and I knew it was because of my car and right. this is kind of and I'm saying this to you because it's kind of playing out like this is you know this is the white privilege this is what you know people are talking about like I know I mean I'm, I'm in distress and I'm like can't get you know I think it was a Sunday morning I couldn't get AAA nobody was answering I'm somewhere rural and then you know people are coming up like getting ready to look like they're going to help and then they turn around and walk away and the only thing I could make was that um, that it, it had you know Obama I had called my Obama excuse me and all that oh man so it was really disheartening that's and I, terrible I it's horrible. It was horrible. And I'm seeing all these rednecks, and I'm not talking two or three. Like, there were probably 12 different cars that came by at any given time, and, like, nobody would help me. And I'm crying, and I just kind of, I just sit next to the car, like, I don't know what to do. And this guy comes up, and he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, my keys are stuck, and I'm, I'm explaining it. He could see the, just a little tip of the key. This guy went and into his truck, uh, found a, a stick of some sort like you know I don't know and he jimmied it and he got my keys out of my car and I was hysterical I was trying to give you money please like whatever he said no 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 and so I thought oh my god I can get back on the road but I was still worked up I was angry at the fact that people weren't helping me from because I thought the stickers on my car that you know what I mean it was that whole thing yeah and uh so I go in the in the gas station and I get some water on my face and calm down, give myself a Dr. Pepper and just like, I gotta get on the road, I gotta drive for two more hours, whatever. I come out of the bathroom, John, and that dude is standing up against the wall outside the women's bathroom, which I found kind of weird, like men's bathroom was on the other side, you know? Right. And so I was like, oh, sorry. And I, you know, I was like, thank you again. Like, thank you so much. You don't even understand, like, everything. And he said, do you have any of those Obama stickers? What? And I was like, well, I'm getting this from telling you the story because I forgot about it. I mean, I, it, it, I told that story so many times, but I haven't I told anyone in a long time about it. Uh-huh. My mom, I mean, everybody that knows me, I was like, what? And she goes, can I get one of those Obama stickers? And I was like, yes, yes, I have them. <laughs> I have stickers. <laughs> I was so, because I, I was on the, I worked with the journal for Obama, um, 
grassroots group in Durham. And uh-huh. so I had budgets and everything made, and I would donate that money to the campaign. And so I, my car was full of all that stuff. And I was like, whatever you want. <laughs> and so it was just sort of funny because it was just a weird, like, here I'm seeing my, you know, my favorite artist of all time in, you know, a very racist, I mean, Atlanta not, but, well, there's racism problems there, but just, mm-hmm. just the whole dynamics of the way that it played out, like, everything was there at one time, you know what I mean? Like, it was, exactly. you know, this, this artist who is openly gay, and mm-hmm. then I'm in a rural area where people are being openly racist, and this one guy helps me and has to hide that he's a supporter of you know, yeah. my president. Um, so it was, a, it was a crazy experience for the concert, but um, so that's what I mean by it's kind of hard to hit. There's always some, like, there's some story or there's something that makes it not oh, yeah. just a show, but, um, oh, yeah. but Definitely. I would have to say that. So that was just one of my, my many crazy, crazy experiences. Um, related to music somehow oh man that's cool that's cool yeah everything happens for a reason right yeah right i do i do want to i do want to hope that you know he may have been one of only a handful of people that county or whatever that voted but i want to hope that like he had a little satisfaction i don't know maybe it just it did make me happy even if he hung it in his house and 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 didn't put it on his car because of whatever peer Uh pressure bullcrap um i i I do often think like I hope that guy you know he you know he he was showing his support even if it was by one way so yeah that's awesome man so you you touch somebody there you go there you go there you go man so how are you holding up in this pandemic because I know you like to be out and about and go places and how how are you doing um John thank you for asking so I am not doing well I mean I am I am exactly what you said I'm super extroverted um I'm very busy I have a, a pretty busy social life I have the the season passed for Walnut Creek Aww. you know and I I generally go to 25 plus shows every time you know yeah. we're the same some of the same shows and yeah. you know between the Ritz and going to Charlotte and sometimes I travel out of state a lot of I do travel out of state for shows so yeah. it's like this is is, is killing me it's killing my spirit really I it's hard and it's hard being a, a you know a single single person and quarantining and being you know I, I've got to stop staying stuck at home I keep wanting to say that I'm stuck at home I'm lucky enough to have a home and, you know. and shelter so oh, yeah. I try to be grateful for that but um Oh, yeah. I, I'm having a hard time, but I am trying to keep in touch with friends. You know, I can't volunteer and I can't be doing my social things because I want people to be safe. I need to be safe. I have, you know, my, my mom, my nieces and nephews. I, I want to be able to see them and, and oh, yeah. nobody gets sick. So it's been a little hard. Um, oh, yeah. Honestly, but, uh, excuse me. Um, but I, uh, you know, I'm trying to find a different a different uh, normal so i'm enjoying my little porch and i'm trying to grow some some herbs and uh nice. tomatoes and just some little things and i sit out there every night when i when there's no mosquitoes and i i crank up my music and i just kind of sit there and listen to nature and since the state opened up i'm having to listen to more cars on a car <laughs> <laughs> trying to do something new it's, it's hard and i'm hoping um 
I'm hoping that I'll be able to get back to doing some of those things. I'm just trying to find a different way to do it. So, uh, you know. Uh, I hear you. Thanks for asking. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, I think everyone's struggling in their own way. So, oh, yeah. You know, those my friends that have families are like, I wish I was single and I was living by myself because everyone's driving me. <laughs> 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 you know, it's like we yeah. all want. And I, just, I hear those things and, and I'm like, no, you don't want to be alone. I'm like, dogs are like, stop talking to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah, man. And what's your what's your take on everything? Will we ever get out of this mess? I mean, I was planning on... Uh, a, a great man I had a I had a trip to Vegas coming up I had all kinds of good stuff I was looking forward to that Black Crows show at Walnut Creek yeah and I just I don't think it's gonna happen so I'm, I'm wondering what what's your take on all this you know it's funny um so pandemic wise uh is that what you're saying or yeah so pandemic wise it's a little it's a little crazy there's a show on netflix called explains and there's a um an episode that was done by bill gates and whoever your listeners are and whatever conspiracy theory <laughs> for a while um and, but it, it's a great it's really great it's like 30 minute clips and it and it does everything and it explains like and you know the environment or whatever it is there's different topics and so there was one called I, I'm almost positive it's called pandemic I watched it last year way before any of this like last summer maybe or spring um and I watched it and it was quite scary now but my sister works in public health my sister works in Africa lives in Africa um she does you know malaria education awesome Hopkins and so, like, my dad also worked in the, in the military. My dad worked at a hospital and did public health issues um, during the AIDS crisis. So, like, I public health is, is known to me and, right. like, understood. So, I knew that something like this um, was going to happen, especially because we've gotten so much more global in terms of, you know, again, getting on a plane and being able to get... On the other side of the world in a day, like you know, that didn't used to happen. Um, I think Ebola kind of triggered that, like, whoa, this is serious. And then it was just a matter of time that something was was gonna get on our soil. So it's uh, it is not unexpected. Um, the response is atrocious. Yeah. Um, <coughs> when Ebola you know, happened, me. it was under the Obama administration, and and uh, it was scary and people were scared but like if if you do your research um you know he did a lot of work and put people in places to study um you know study the virus and learn what precautions to take and you know the cdc and and people uh groups around the united states used to do like fake um drills uh-huh. on how to handle these things and what you would do in in a pandemic yeah. and so um there's a great article. I mean, you can find, but so we were we were prepared. Like we were prepared. Obama got us prepared and had people around the world like learning about what kind of diseases were happening and kind of let, making sure that we were knowing what's going on. And all that was dismantled by you know the child in the White House. And so it's really awful because yeah. we we wouldn't be we 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 should be. Australia or New Zealand or Germany, you know, where they don't have the, we should be a country that, that was able to curb it and, and get it under control and, and have, uh, 
have everybody fall in line. You know, you I'm know. not expecting a police state in terms of everybody has to, you know, uh, North Korea. You know what I'm saying? I'm not oh, yeah. expecting that. Everybody has to stop their life and listen to the dictator. But I think if we were in a better spot and we had um, real leaders, you know, people exactly. would have done that. Instead, you know, you've got news stations saying this is a democratic hoax, and then people mm-hmm. are like, oh, see, ha ha, this is bullcrap, and you know, like, then they don't take it seriously, and then mm-hmm. and, and we are where we are. So exactly. I'm sad that it is um, that it got out of control. That it is not. It's still not 109,000 plus. I don't even know today's number. Um, you know, uh, dead is horrific. I mean, more than the wars. You, you know, John, you know, it's yeah. just so bad. So it's, it's, uh, it's shocking to me because we do have the resources and the capability. We did, we did, um, before they were taken down and dismantled. Um, so I don't know what to think. You know, oh, I don't man. know what to think going forward. I know it. I feel the same way. And, uh, yeah, I just worry, you know, I just worry what's going to happen next because, like you said, I, I just feel like we've got super poor leadership and uh, I don't know what to expect next it's I try I find myself trying to not to watch the news as much because it's just it's like it's getting worse every day you know it's 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 like every day yeah every day it's fresh in hell and it's like really hard for me because I I find myself posting more on Facebook not and I have a very limited I'm very specific you know I like to keep my friends with small and and I'm not on Instagram or any of that Twitter none of that right but I you know I post a lot of stuff because I want to educate my family and friends um, you know, I mean, I do post silly shit, but I try to educate people to be like, this is what's going on. Don't be listening to the crap, you know, don't be, don't, uh, the conspiracy theories and, and all of those things. Like, there, there's real facts out there. There are people that have dedicated their lives to doing work to, to bring the facts and, and the, the cures and, you know, whatever to, yeah. to our, um, to, you know, to our country. And, um, they were fired or they are, you know, disregarded or they're called names and then, you know, everything that they've done for decades is, is discounted. I mean, where's Fauci? Have you seen him? I haven't seen him in, in, in ages. In ages. Right. You know? Right. And he's the voice of reason. Exactly. But that's what it is. It's like, you know, yes, I'm a New Yorker and I'm really proud of, of Cuomo again. Everyone has their flaws. Everyone has a history. I get it. I'd like to think that when it's brought to your attention that you that as a as a good person would do better you know admit that you did stuff wrong and, and do better i'm not saying he's perfect in any way but he <laughs> has been the sole voice of reason and um leadership that i've been able to watch since march like you know he he is honest and that's what we need like you know he tells us like it is and says it's going to get worse that things are really bad we're going to have to do this match but he's also has empathy and compassion and so it makes the news you know a little less harsh because you're like someone's here you know like so i don't know it's it's uh it's hard we can't depend on the governor of one state to try to do the worry and anger and uncertainty for 330 million people you know what i mean like it's not enough um so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what our new normal is. I watch New York and, and I have family there and, um, you know, 
blood and friends. And so it's like, oh, this is uh, okay. Get out under control. Is it now going to spread the rest of the country? Is it kind of contained? Are we going to be able to go to shows? Like, um, yeah, all those questions um, are, are out there, and I don't know what the answer is. Other than November third, yeah. That's it, man. Yeah, you have you have been so active and involved in so many great causes and done so many great things. And I was going to ask you, what's the best way for people to get involved? And uh, I think you nailed it. It's uh, get everybody prepared for November. And if we got to swim through a river, uh, if we got to yeah. if we got to mail it in, if we got to send it Morse code, we got to vote. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Because you're a New Yorker. There you go. I know, right? I, I want to talk to this guy. He, he had corona. He lives in the Bronx. Um, he was calling for a friend that lives in Rocky Mountain. Uh, and I guess our number is one number off. And mm. we talked for like 10 minutes or something. And we just wound up like, how are you? I mean, it just it, it evolved from, you know, how are you? Are you safe? I know there's some rioting going on. And then he would tell me what was going on outside of his window. And then I was like, oh, you know, whatever. We, we were talking. And uh, he called me back. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> he called me back yesterday. And we talked for two hours. Oh, nice. Like, I need a friend. Um, it was just nice because Very cool. it was just like we're both, you know, stuck at home, if you will. Again, I gotta, I gotta stop that. But we, we talked about everything, and uh-huh. including what, what we're talking about, like voting. And I said, honest to God, I'm trying to figure out if there's legally a way that, you know, I we travel with two people, and um, and they pick up people's, you know, ballots from their home. I know, I get it. I know, and I don't want people to be like anything. Shit. I'm, I'm just trying to think so far outside the box that right. everyone has. Because I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I've been involved. I, I got involved, um, my earliest involvement, my earliest, um, you know, activism was uh, as a uh, late teen. It was Ben and Jerry's, actually. Ben and Jerry's in Vermont. I lived across the lake, and they used to have a One World, One Heart festival. They uh-huh. had it once a year, every summer. Right. And you would go, and it was music. 
music and art. It was way before like any of the festivals are nowadays. You know, this was way back. It was it was Lollapalooza. You know, beginnings of like wow. bringing artists and and you know culture and you know, rock the boat and all those things. Well, Ben and Jerry was doing it on a little bit of a smaller scale. But the one thing I loved is you would go and you'd pay twenty five cents and you'd get a postcard, and they wanted you to write to someone about an issue, and they would give you like what you could write or who to write. So you could take the postcard home and mail it to your state, send it to the president, send it to your local officials, and it was about climate, it was about um, racial injustice, it was about wages. I mean, this is 1989, 1992, you know, this was, this was decades ago, and I loved it. And, you know, once you wrote your postcard, you showed them that, showed them that you wrote it, you got a couple ice cream, you know? Hey. There was like a little, a little thing to it. That's um, awesome. But that was the beginning, yeah, and that was the beginning for me. It was just like, oh, there's power in, in writing, there's power in calling, and, and then it progressed to there's power in marching, and there's power in literally getting involved. And so what I would say to your, your audience is, um, and I'm assuming most of them are, are local in, you know, in an urban setting, but they may not be. Um, so you've got to just start, start somewhere. What are you passionate about? Um, and if you don't know what you're passionate about, like just start showing up to, to places that you're not sure what they're doing. What's that? What's going on? There's going to be a cleanup, you know, an Earth Day cleanup. Okay. I don't know what that is, but I mean, we can always clean up and, and see what people are talking about and just get involved. Go to, you know, the food pantry. Like I'm getting ready to try and see if I can, um, take some time off from work because I'm, I'm lucky enough to work from home, but like, and donate some time at the food pantry where I can put boxes together and, um, I don't have to come in contact with many people, but I can still help them in some way. So, yeah. You know, start something small. I think for me, just my, um, who I am, I always try to put myself in someone else's shoes, and that's what guides me for my activism. And, and you know, I I am only a couple of paychecks away from being homeless, like a lot of us are. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really scary, and so I just try to think, what if it was me, and what can I do to help those communities, um, help those causes? So, you know, just, there's lots of them out there. There's a ton of of causes out there. Um, And I would would say kind of pick something that you're passionate about. If you're, you know, if you are religious and you want to support your church, a lot of churches do great things, um, especially in the black community when it comes to voting and try to get you know, people to the polls and, and, and bus loads and things like that. So, you know, if that's something that you, you want to stick close to your church and that's important, there are some, you know, um, civil and, and political causes that are going on um, in houses of worship, you know, regardless of, of your belief. Um, that's a start. It's a start to, you know, listen listen to what the protesters are talking about. I mean, you know, the, the protests are... are important there's also other issues it, it's uh, this is rooted for you know centuries and and it's all rooted in uh inequality and, oh, yeah. and greed it all comes down to greed and so like how how do you start well what you know i want to start with my community i want to start i want to see you know what i can do in my my community and then i can go a little bit further in my city and then in my state um so i, I there's a lot of things out there john um I think it just is you, you find your passion for me it's 
the environment and um, and it is you know uh, racial issues and disparity and um, inequality uh, for all all people you know we all want to be included we all want to be loved we all we all want you know the the roof over our heads and and food in our bellies and a safe place for our families to you know enjoy um, how simple it is and so yeah so that, you know Oh, I yeah. don't know. I don't, that really answers your question. Oh, yeah, but, you did. You did. You definitely did. And um, I appreciate all you step out and stand up for. And uh, it, you're, you're a great resource, a great person to, to have in the corner. Uh, you don't just talk, you walk it. You live it. So I um, appreciate you so much. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great way to look at it. Beth, I really enjoyed talking to you. Man, you've got so many great stories. Beth, you should have your own podcast. I'll tell you what. You're great, man. I really, really enjoy talking to you. And uh Yeah, man. We have we have got to chat again. You take care of yourself and uh That's you know, it. Man. Like that'll be some. That'll be some joy. Friend. I tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Thanks so much, Beth. And we're back on the Record Stow podcast, and we've got an album review. Yeah, something great to tell you about. I was recently gifted with the limited edition vinyl re-release of Prince's album, The Rainbow Children. It's beautifully packaged, clear vinyl, rainbow slip mat. It's awesome. The album came out originally in 2001. And this stuff, I'm telling you, it's so far ahead of its time. Uh, It's really jazz-inspired. Features a saxophone work by the legendary Najee. Uh, The music is really complex and beautiful. Again, this was released in uh, 2001, and the album came out after Prince converted to the Jehovah Witness faith. And, you know, much of his music has always combined uh, sex and spirituality. This one is really, really deep. Uh, It's his 24th studio album. 
so many different concepts here, including Egyptian monotheism. It's it's incredible. You know, you it's got live horns on it. You can feel that earth, wind, and fire, bump, soul influence. It's a great band, which includes Larry Graham, Grand Central Station, and Sly and the Family Stone on bass, and the late John Blackwell, one of Prince's favorite uh, drummers. And like I said, live horns just really complete the mix uh, done by the Hornheads who play on so many Prince and Prince-associated projects. Make sure you get this album. Like I said, it's a limited edition re-release. It's been out of print for a long time. It didn't get a lot of attention when it came out because you could pretty much only get it if you're a member of the MPG Music Club or, you know, on the internet, it was an independent release. There were no radio singles or radio hits from it. Again, make sure you get a listen to The Rainbow Children. We've got more coming up on the Record Stow Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Rekka Stowe Podcast. Episode 11 is in the can. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find the show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, and TuneIn. Don't forget to check the show description for links to many of the things we talked about in the show. Thank you again. Appreciate you to the utmost Tell your friends, like, share, and subscribe to the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Recosto Podcast.